1: Hi there. My name is Monica O'Hanlon, and you could say I'm a bit of a sticky beak. I just love hearing people's stories because it's true what they say: everyone's got one. I work at Gov FM in North East Arnhem Land in the NT. It's one of the most remote and unspoilt parts of Australia. Never heard of it? That's okay, but I bet someone you know has. This tiny slice of paradise has a weird way of connecting people. Everyone knows someone who's been here. I guarantee it. If you're someone who isn't familiar with it, here's what you need to know. The Yungle people are the traditional owners of this region. Their vibrant culture dates back more than 40,000 years. The hub, where I live, is called Nullumboy a town created on the Gove Peninsula after the establishment of the Bauxite Mine. You're probably asking, what's the purpose of this podcast? I've met so many weird and wonderful people, whether they're from here or just passing through. I want to know how their path led them to this tiny little dot on the map. And it would be my absolute pleasure to share it with you. Georgina Gillette is a proud Yungle woman. As a Dimaru ranger, bush doctor and mother, she is the epitome of a strong woman. Recently, I was lucky enough to speak to Georgina about growing up in the region, her jobs, bringing up her daughter as a single parent, the struggles she's faced and the importance of passing down traditions to keep Yungle culture alive. Here's what she had to say.
2: I am a younger woman from Nulunboy. My grandmother is from the Gomach clan, and my mom is from the Japu clan. Where's the Japu clan? Japu clan is their last name is Munungur. Mm-hmm. You probably ought to have heard yeah, that last yeah, name. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They're from Wandaoi. That's where my mom's from. But she grew up her mother's side, mm-hmm. which is Gomach. and that's like at Ski Beach and Bang Bang.
1: And then, uh, is it normal for someone to come from a different clan and then come across into another clan and grow up their way or is it is that quite uncommon?
2: Yeah, it is normal. depends, like, if you're from, like, if you have line through your family, you know. Mm-hmm. Some people, like, don't even know anything about us that so they come and live and they learn, you know. But younger people, they love to teach and also learn, yeah. Could you walk us through the family
1: structure because I find that really interesting and I think a lot of people out there are interested but in Jungo culture there's a very different kinship structure to Western
2: society. Is it possible to give a bit of a simplified version or...? It's very hard to explain when it comes to talking about the kinship and everything because yeah. it's hard to understand
1: it. It's kind of like drawing it down would be
2: easier. Yeah. Right?
1: yeah. Everyone is related to each other. <laughs> <laughs> and you can only, isn't it right, when you're looking for love,
2: <laughs> Yes. you can only go with a certain... Like yin and yang. Yeah. You can't go, if you're a yin, you can't go with another yin. Yeah. It's really important because if they have a kid then that kid ha- doesn't have a history mm-hmm. or any song line or anything, you know. Because if the mother's yin, the child has to be yang, like the father. But if the okay. father's a yin too, it's going to be like different, you know, like the child's going to be yang and the father and mother is both yin. It's just wrong. So is, does that ever happen? Uh, Yeah, it has happened a lot, not only in this area, but a lot of other places, like other parts of Arnhem Land, like West Arnhem and all them other places.
1: If you have two ying or how does that, what happens?
2: Uh, Sometimes it can turn into a big family fight because it disappoints a lot of the family and because our relation and our skin Kinship and our skin name, everything goes on a straight line. Yeah. And once they do that, it just like our everything we follow the father, like mm-hmm. surname and Moiti and what totem. The only thing that comes from the mum is the skin name, because whatever skin name the mum is, you're the next skin name in the circle. I got the same skin name as my great great grandmother.
1: Okay, and what's your skin name?
2: Bangarikjan.
1: Oh, that's so nice.
2: <laughs> what does that mean? It's just the next... This is where, what I mean. Where it's gets hard, it gets complicated. Yeah. It's like a circle of skin names and there's two circles. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of other Bangarikjans in this region, you know. But My child is Ghalikgali, mm-hmm. girl, and Buralang is for a boy if okay. I ever had a son. And then, you know, my daughter's would be next in the circle after Galikali it would mm-hmm. be Gochan. Then Gochan would have a Balang or Bilinjan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a circle. So that's how we, why we, it comes from the mum because whatever she is, the next in the circle is I am, like what I am. And the next in the circle after me is my daughter. Mm-hmm and then her daughter and then my... But we all follow that circle. Yeah. It's
1: incredible how intricate it all is. It's a shame it's probably a bit too hard to get into properly today, but I think anyone who is out there listening probably gets the gist. It's very, very complicated. Let's talk a bit about growing up in the region. It's a pretty idyllic place to spend your childhood. Would you agree?
2: Yes awesome growing up here and especially being half Yolngu, because mm-hmm. my dad is not an Indigenous. So I grew up in both Wales pretty much. It was hard because I couldn't speak any English when I was a little girl.
1: Oh,
2: cute. <laughs> <laughs> so Yolngu was my first language, but yeah. it was hard for my dad to communicate with me and that. Yeah, right. What would you do? How do you, How Mom do you and get dad, around that? Mum and Dad tried to put me into preschool and... They warned the, sorry, it wasn't preschool, it was childcare, Mm -hmm. and they warned the teacher and said what the problem was and, you know, yeah, I was going good for a bit. And then the teacher rang mum and dad up, like probably about three weeks after. Said, your plan's not working. Now all the Western kids are running around speaking, (laughs) Yolngu Mata. Good on you. So you can tell who the smart one was. (laughs) That's so cute. So did you go to school at Boy Primary School? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I went to school, Boy Primary School and Boy Christian School. Mm -hmm. And then after that, after I graduated Boy Primary School, I went to... Boarding school in Darwin. Oh, yeah. Which boarding Saint, school did you go to? St. John's College. Okay. And then after that I came back because I was just missing home. Like I loved it at St. John's but I missed yeah. home and family and that. So I came back and I went to school at high school. I'm sure you was there too. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I
1: totally recognised you mm. when you came in to talk about the crocodile stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did you? How did you find boarding school though? Because I imagine... I guess like Gove, it's it's pretty small and then going over to Darwin which is a big city especially for us. I feel like <laughs> if you grew up here. I was
2: so nervous at the start but like took me like a week to get used to it. going to like totally freak out. I thought it was going to be worse <laughs> than that. <laughs> so you liked it for a little while. Yeah, I loved it there. It's good, you know, like cuz I was going to school there with a lot of Aboriginal kids from around mm-hmm. Australia, not just young old kids oh right yeah there was I had some friends from W a from down south, then central Australia and yeah. yeah see. It was, From everywhere, Tiwi Island.
1: Wow, that would have been so
2: interesting. Yeah, and still to this day we still communicate. That's sick. Facebook's
1: great, isn't it?
2: (laughs) One of my best friends from there is actually a policewoman here in Gove. Oh, no way. Yeah. So
1: you were were in boarding school and then you came back because you got homesick.
2: Yeah. And then,
1: so I guess I'm super interested in, I remember when I first moved here when I was five and we must have, watched a video about Jungo people and there was a ceremony for the boys with the uh, s- circumcision, the, the traditional way they do that. Is there anything, I guess, initiation process or any, like any ceremonies for women?
2: Yes, and that's bush healing. Mm-hmm. My grandmother was the one that started it like here in Gove. Well, she didn't start it, like, but she made it more out there, yeah, you know, like sweet. opened it more for the world to see. Mm -hmm. And she opened up her own healing place at Gama. Ah. Yeah. We do lots of women's program there, like learning how to cry and sing the song lines. Amazing. And even like birthing, doing bush healing on new mothers and newborn babies. And pregnant woman wow. and all that Yeah. and bush sauna and you know learned a lot yeah from- i remember the bush saunas when i went out to Gamma years ago yeah. yeah yeah and now we have like bush bath can you tell us a little bit about that have you do you remember the leaves that we used to massage yeah yeah But we just um boil that up and chuck it in the bath and whoever wants to go in just goes in and just relax and the ladies sit around and just massage oh my gosh <laughs> in that in bath <laughs> that sounds incredible and then when they get out they feel like a newborn like wow. cleansed yeah they're fresh it's very slimy that water mm-hmm. from that leaf okay but when you get out, it just dries up like it's just normal. Like it doesn't go sticky or anything. It's. It, it, does it put moisture in the skin or what's yeah. the purpose of that? We use that because it's good for our muscles, bones and our skin. Yeah, cool. So, it, yeah, it does put moisture in your skin. But my favourite is the bush birth healing because you get to work with babies and pregnant yeah. women. and
1: so what kind of stuff do you do?
2: Like when newborn babies, we just bless them and welcome welcome them to the country, you know, and just make sure there's no bad spirits around, you know, mm. just cleansing the baby. Because you were saying um, just before the interview that you're a bush doctor. Yeah. That's so cool. I actually now run the healing place. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> because grandma, she's gone now. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of sisters, like cousins. We we don't say cousins, we just say sisters. Yeah. <laughs> if we come from the same grandma and grandpa, we're sisters. <laughs> I
1: like that. <laughs>
2: uh, but they're, they, they're all like, not all of them, but most of them are bilingual, but they're not confident mm-hmm. to talk in front of people. So they picked me to do like to run the show every gamma. It's epic. <laughs> <laughs> it's exhausting. Sometimes I because bet. all that um, weak spirit from the people that I heal, it sometimes I catch it from them.
1: Oh, like you absorb it? Yeah,
2: and I feel weak. Probably like maybe last day of Gama It's like yeah. hard for me to get out of it. <laughs> I always heal myself after doing healing now I learned my lesson from that how do you
1: heal yourself (laughs) I'd Uh, love
2: to know that I'm so tired at the moment just get in the bath that's what I do just get in the bath and just with the leaves yeah yeah sick and I chuck in extra like different type of leaves as well different leaves that for migraine and coal and all that yeah,
1: you get some pretty high-profile um, people coming to Gamma. Have you ever healed any celebs? Prime Minister's wife.
2: Really? <laughs> Which one? Malcolm Turnbull's wife last year. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was that like? Were you nervous? Uh, I didn't actually do the healing there, but okay. my sisters did it. Wow. Yeah, but yeah, it would have been cool. But it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> was, everyone had to like. It was very strict doing her like we couldn't have many people around and yeah. it had to be so private <laughs> oh. so and everyone had to get criminal checks and all that oh wow everyone passed of course <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> wow that's heady. yeah that was full on like that was different for us wow. well you can tell that you're very
1: proud um which is just awesome what what does culture mean to you
2: Culture means the world to me because I don't know what I would be without my culture. I always think that I'll sit down and think, you know, where would I be yet if I didn't have my culture? And plus, a lot of people around Australia got their culture taken away and it's, you know, I see them and it's very sad Yeah, and I can just feel what they're going through and how they feel and... I'm glad I'm not going through that right now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Totally.
2: And it makes me proud, you know, and then I can pass it to my daughter and my grandchildren in the future
0: because totally. it was
2: passed on to me by my mum and grandma. So, yeah, all the young or that are in my family is pretty much ladies, you know, like. Yeah, right. My grandma and my mum, my mains, yeah. Yeah.
1: And so you have a you have a little girl, don't you? Yeah. How Alia. old is she?
2: Alia. Yeah, she's warning? five. The same age as you when you first came to go. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Did I say that before? Yeah.
1: Oh, I didn't even notice that. I was like, ah. Oh, so as read you my said, you
2: was five. It just reminded me of Alia.
1: <laughs> Cute. Wow. So and you're you're currently bringing her through, I guess, all the traditions and stuff that you grew up with?
2: Yes. Yeah. She always participates in the healing place. Cool. But she doesn't really do anything. She just be there and just play around with her cousins and whatever. And that's how I learned pretty much. Totally. Yeah. I feel like as a five year old, you can't really be expected to take
1: everything seriously. She
2: loves eating bush food and all that. And she's Struggling with English like me, <laughs> <laughs> but she's actually doing better than I did because my mum and dad had to take me around nearly around Australia for me to learn how to speak English. <laughs> yeah,
1: is it hard? Because are you are you a single mother?
2: Yes, I'm a single mother. How do you do that? Like
1: we'll talk about your job in a minute, but how yeah. do you how do you? That's manage? the other
2: thing I'm proud of being young, more because I got so many family to support yeah. and all that. You know, I lost my mum when I was very young and she has heaps of sisters so I got heaps of mums, you know, like awesome. to look up to. They were there for me, you know. They helped me if I needed help. Besides that, I can, like, handle it pretty well. Was it natural for you when you became a mum? Like it was pretty Yeah, smooth? it was natural. Even the midwives, they freaked out. They didn't have to go <laughs> through a lot with me. <laughs> wow, you
1: just <laughs> cruised through it. Yeah. Bringing her up and stuff, you haven't really, like, it's just, it's come naturally. Yeah. That's awesome. And
2: it was my aim to make sure she learned culture first. Yeah. Because I've seen a lot of people like my age that went and, like, there's half like me, you know, half, you're more like me. And they, went and did the. they learnt the western side first before they learned Yungo and now they're struggling a lot. Yeah. And like English is easy, you can just come in the picture anytime, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's why I want my daughter to learn culture first, which she has already learnt, like she's pretty good. She can speak fluent Yungo and yeah, epic. loves to go hunting and all that, you know. Oh, that's amazing. And she's just graduated preschool. Wow. So next year, <laughs> primary school. Cute. And uh, that's where she'll start to learn English and all that, you know. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. You, we spoke about it before um, when you said that,
1: so your mother was jungle and your father was white, and you said that you grew up kind of in these two worlds. Do you think that was a positive or it, did it come with, Difficulties as well. Like, I'm not sure. Like, do people discriminate you from both sides? Or,
2: yes, yeah, I get called white and I get called black. (laughs) You know, it's like, it's like I'm both, you know, like, yeah, it's hard, but it's, you know, I love it being a part of two worlds. Yeah, yeah. Would they say things like
1: that in a negative way, or just is it just? I guess maybe when you were growing up, confusing to hear both of those. But w- was it ever said negatively, or is it just
2: sometimes negatively? Okay, but yeah, sometimes. Most of the time, you know, everyone got along with me, and I get along with everyone. Yeah, like mainly school times, you know, get bullied a lot. Anyone got bullied, you know, yeah. like it's especially half caste people, like me, and I got some cousins of. We put up with that a lot from both sides. Yeah, it's really hard. But, yeah, we push through it mm-hmm. and we're still on our two feet.
1: <laughs> do you think it's getting better? Like do you think people are becoming um, more open-minded with that kind of yes, stuff? Yes, it's
2: getting way better, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's awesome to hear. It's yeah.
2: like some half you're more like me. Don't really know much as I do, you know. Like, mm-hmm. and some young more just look at me, or like, yeah, look at me, and they think that I'm the same, you know, just because I'm half. Yeah. And then I start telling them history and whatever, and then they freak out. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, "Wow." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because my bedtime stories and all my stories weren't fairy tale; they were true stories. Yeah, for my mom and my grandma.
0: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
1: Yeah, cool.
2: That's their way of teaching. And I do that with my daughter too. Mm. Unreal. Yeah. So
1: you're a Dimaru ranger, which is so cool. (laughs) (laughs) Did you always want to do that or how did that even come about?
2: Um... One day I was working at the Anglicare. One day this position came up for um female ranger at Dimroo. And I was like, wow, <laughs> you know, I love, yeah, that's what I love doing. You know, I love full driving. I love <laughs> going out bush. I be, I love being outdoor. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'll give it a go. And, yeah, I did that and I got the job. And plus my uncle was my one and only uncle, my mum only had one brother. He was a Dimmeroo Ranger. He was like one of the first rangers, I think, yeah. Cool. And he inspired me because he used to take us out a lot when we was kids, you know. If he had weekend patrol or whatever, he would take us out, go hunting and patrolling. And yeah, so it inspired me. And I see the other girls too. They inspired me. And that's how I became a ranger. Cool. And then I, like, stopped working as a ranger because I left town. Mm-hmm. I went to Cairns, but home was calling back, like, calling out to me. Georgie, yeah, come back. <laughs> <laughs> like when you're in high school. And then this year at Gama, I was doing healing, and my manager from... Dimuru, mm-hmm. Yami, Moika, he came up to me and said, you got your job there if you want it. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'll come back. <laughs> cool. So yeah, I yeah, am back at Dimuru now.
1: Every day is probably a bit different, but what are the basic things that you do at Dimuru?
2: Mainly we do, like every day nearly we do fencing. Okay. Because a lot of people go, like they just rack our fences to drive through, you know, yeah. or... Animals like buffaloes and all that, you know, they wreck the fences as well. And campsite maintenance. Okay. Making sure that all the campsites are nice and comfortable for people. They look amazing, by the way. They did not used to be like that. They are epic
1: now. You guys have done Mm. an incredible job.
2: I know. It's amazing. A lot of people have said that, like, it's changed in the last couple of years. Yeah. We've been doing a lot of um, CLM training, Mm -hmm. conservational land management. So, like, how to learn how to deal with like weathers causing Mm erosions. So, yeah, we have to do that training a lot. And because a lot of our cam areas get a lot of erosions, like from the weather. Yeah. So, we got to like, find a way to slow the flow of everything, you know, and make it safe for everyone to be there. And. Do you work on the ghost nets and stuff? Is that part of your yes, position? Yes, marine debris. Yeah. That's, That's the job. worst one That's the worst part of my job. I hate doing that, really? but I'll do it, you know. Why is
1: it the worst one? Is it just sad or is it's it just a lot of work? It's sad because
2: there's t- so many rubbish on the beach and it's, like, hard working in this heat. yeah. We did four kilometres of rubbish at Jolpan in like last couple of weeks ago, not weeks ago, I think it was months ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that four kilometres may sound like it's heaps, but it's not, like it's a little bit. And that took us two weeks. Yeah. There's still like heaps of rubbish out there. Yeah. And we had Sea Shepherd mob come in. Yeah, I remember. I tried to get him in here
1: but they were too busy. (laughs) I think they were with you
2: guys. (laughs) But, yeah, it was good to have them around because now the message can go around the world because it's everyone's fault, not just ours or, you know, like it's...
1: they try and blame it on Indonesia but I feel like... Yeah, it's not just Indonesia, it's the whole world. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that would have been incredible. We even find
2: a lot of Australian rubbish on the beach. Yeah. Like a bottle of rum, empty bottle. Oh,
1: yeah, and people being complacent when they go camping. Yes.
2: Totally. Do you have a favourite part of the job? My favourite part is patrolling. Patrolling. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because I get to, like, go out bush and then like pull up people, ask them for permits.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So you get, you get, you play on power there. You like a bit of power.
2: (laughs) I feel like I got heaps of power there. (laughs) Everyone's
1: just like shaking. I get nervous when I get pulled up, even though I've got all the permits and everything. I'm just like, oh my God. So you're enjoying that.
2: (laughs) I pulled up a police officer.
1: (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Good on you. You know, you've got to keep that balance. I
2: think. give him a bit of a taste of his own actions yeah (laughs) absolutely (laughs) yeah patrolling and also like learning on country Mm -hmm. because we work with children and we work with elders and us rangers are always involved in it yoroka rangers and demuro rangers and it's good to be able to like learn from the elders and then pass on to the children you know it's very important that part of our job because it's for our future you know totally and like a lot of the kids don't know names of our fruit and our trees and all that, you know all like our native stuff yeah and like i remember we had learning on country at school back in my days, because I did a bit of school at Yirrkala too, I forgot to mention, and, you know, the teachers would ask us questions of what tree this is and what fruit this is and everyone would be like, it's, you know, everyone would like have the answer, but nowadays it's like different, like, so that's why we brought in the lock program again, because yeah, very important. But I reckon we should have more of like a woman's program. Okay, start one up. Be great, <laughs> you're yeah. such a leader. Yeah, because our old ladies aren't gonna be here forever, and I want to be able to sing and like cry the song lines when I'm old. You know, it's important to sit down with the old ladies now, and learn from them. They're not really teaching. It's it's just when they are at the funeral, we that's when we learn everything. We don't have dancing classes or singing classes. It all happens at the funeral. Really? Yeah. That's our learning process, that funeral, because we hear the old ladies crying and that's how we learn, just from listening to them, how they're singing and crying. That's how we see how to dance, do what song. And, you know, all that. Yeah, yeah,
1: I love that. I feel like with Western culture, funerals are such a and, – and, of course, they're always sad, yeah. wh- whichever culture. But at least you guys are learning and, like, showing a bit of emotion. In Western society or culture, it's just so – sad and so mm. gloom whereas like with jungle people like you're learning and you're passing on stories and it's all about sharing which is just yeah. incredible and what it should be for everyone.
2: Yeah, the only thing I didn't learn at funeral is painting. Mm-hmm. I learned from my mum just at home. Oh, so you're a painter as well. Yeah. Wow, what, what don't you do? <laughs> and bush healing from grandma, that's the only thing I didn't learn from funeral. What do you love about this area? Like why is this region
1: so important to you?
2: It's so important because I'm so connected to this land. Like if I go somewhere else, like another state in Australia, I was looking around for bush medicine. There's no bush medicine, you know. (laughs) Like they could, that tree could have been a bush medicine, but I didn't know. Yeah, like, it's like, new territory. Yes, yeah, like I, we're here, I can like identify everything. Yeah. Even animals and people yes. and everything. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of us people are connected to this land. We don't own the land, the land owns us, of course. Yeah. That's how I say so it. So true. Mm-hmm. My grandmother used to say, you know, like even when we're walking, like collecting for bush medicine, bush. She used to make me take my shoes off. And I go, why? (laughs) Because you have to feel the land and the land has to feel you. If not, you won't get anything. Yeah, right. That's probably
1: where, you know, that craze with earthing. Have you ever heard of that? It's like where people in the city, they spend – they go out on some dirt and take their shoes off and stand in the dirt for half an hour or so every day. Wow. And I think that they – I think people look at it as like a trend thing, but it's obviously coming from somewhere. It, yeah. it totally makes sense. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> it's quite in a city. Yeah, because grandma says, you know, the land won't recognize you and then won't give you any bush food or bush medicine. So, yeah. do what? Just do what you're told. <laughs> <laughs> Even just being out. In a lagoon and just listening to everything, like just the sound, you know, that's like a healing. Yeah. Take some people out to the lagoon, listen to birds and the yeah. wind and the water. Some of them people like break down and cry, you know, when they hear that stuff. Yeah. yeah it's so healing. Wow. And then they get shamed to cry. And I'm like, uh, it's all right because crying is part of healing, you know, like totally. you gotta let it out.
1: Isn't it a pain that we're taught that like crying means weakness and especially like in men, mm-hmm. with males you're not supposed to cry. It's such a relief, you know, after you cry you just feel so good.
2: Yeah, that's true.
1: <laughs> it's, it's great that you guys are, You still use crying as a form of healing because it's, it's natural, it's what mm-hmm. we're kind of made to do.
2: This region it's very important to me and... Our culture and everything, you know, it's like my friends, my white friends, they call me, they say that I'm their Yulmo dictionary. (laughs) So if they don't know what this and that means, they ring me up and go, what's going on here? You know, can you translate a bit? And like, because my mum used to do some dictionary work, like translating. Oh, wow. She was my dictionary, of course. I mean, that's such a
1: powerful role. That's a huge thing. And the fact that your white friends or your friends that are, you know, from Europe or wherever, the fact that they call you and are interested in you're passing on that knowledge, that's amazing.
2: One of my best friends actually can speak younger now. Cool.
1: Yeah. How does it feel to be a role model? I mean, obviously not just to young people but – you're a role model here you've got one foot in a uh, like you said, two mm-hmm. worlds. how does it feel?
2: It feels awesome. Yeah. I love it to be honest because but sometimes it can get really hard because mm-hmm. like you' gotta be careful what you say and do because people are looking up to you yeah yeah, yeah. it's a lot
1: of pressure, yeah
2: but Yeah, especially for my daughter because I know she's going to be like that too, like she's going to be in the middle of everything. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking it's going to be a lot more confusing for her because it's, you know, like she's got my father's side family and then my mother's side family and then her, you know, family from her father's side. Yeah. Yeah, it's like me but all doubled up. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I love being a role model, especially... Being a ranger, I see a lot of kids getting inspired by us. Little little kids, you know, little girls. When we went to primary school, and they invited us to set up a table there and, you know, just do a show and tell for the kids. So good. A lot of kids, you know, come up to us and ask us, but mainly little girls. Oh, that's awesome. I'm like, wow, we're going to have a lot of little female rangers later. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: so good.
2: And, like, I was proud to see that they were my nephew, nieces, you know, like, wow, you know, you want to become, like, auntie? Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah,
1: In an ideal world, what do you hope for in the next five to 10 years? What are your dreams or your goals?
2: My dream is to one day become a cultural advisor at Dimru because that lady that we have that is the cultural advisor, her name is Jalinda. She's just a beautiful, sweet lady and she inspires me so much. And she's very, like, she's got so much knowledge. I want to be her one day <laughs> and I like to talk about culture and that, and then in that way, and any white person asks me anything culture, culture wise, I can, you know, just come up with an answer and you know, That's awesome. I'd love to become a cultural advisor. And also like for our land here, I hope the mine's gone, but it won't be the same. It won't be. Nah. Even be if possibly. we try to make it. Yeah. It'd be good that it would be gone because our elders fought for that, you know, and they lost their fought. Like they lost their fight over that land and apparently within the ten years time it's gonna be close. Mm-hmm. I hope they just take everything with them and just leave the land there. They had a talk with us, Dimru, plan ahead for that like what we plan to do there if it's gone. Mm-hmm. So we're going to regrow everything there, like trees and everything. I live across the bay from that. You know, I see that every day. Yeah. And what's more sad is my great-grandfather was born there and is this
1: out at the mine <coughs> side or is this out at um, the refinery, refinery side? Refinery,
2: yeah. Yeah, right. Even the mine side, like, especially at Gama way there, like this year I seen, I'm like, wow. You know, I started crying. Like I was looking for that bush Yeah. that I used to walk through with my aunties and my grandma and collecting bush medicine for the Gama festival. Yeah. It wasn't there anymore. And it made me really upset. Like it just hurt my eyes and my heart. We want to be able to view the land the same way as our ancestors did. This mine, it's it's done a lot of damage to a lot of people and the land, of course. But, yeah, hopefully one day we'll get rid of the refinery and regrow everything there. Grandma, she was a very powerful woman, younger woman, and she didn't really know much of the white side, Mm -hmm. but she tried her best to fit in and, you know, At the end she understood a lot and she'd always make us go to school and all that. It wasn't all about culture, you know, it was both worlds. We don't have women's business here anymore because the men thought that women were too powerful, like it was taking over them. They were taking over their men's business, you know. (laughs) So they had to stop it. But my two grandmas were little when that happened. And that's how they knew a lot, you know, they, because of being involved in that women's business. But, yeah, that's how they become bush doctors and that, you know. My grandma actually delivered a lot of babies to, like... I've never yet. Mm, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. <laughs> One of my nephews, he's, like, 22, and he was born out at Bang Bang. Okay. And the two grandmas were his midwives. Cool. And there was no scissors around for the cord. (laughs) So grandma just cut it with a nail. And I bet you she would have done that a lot back in the days. She had like a special sharpened nail. Sharper (laughs) nails.
1: Whoa. Is there anything else you want to say to
2: anyone who might be listening right now? Me growing up from 16 years old without a mum. It was hard to lose her i was 16 and i was only just becoming a young woman you know and yeah the v- main woman in my life is gone to be my role model for that you know to teach me i forgot to mention i lost grandma after like when i was 18 mm-hmm. before i had alia so you know my heart oh, was yeah. a bit more broken after losing mum and then lost grandma and then I had Alia and then it was like, wow, this must be a gift from them too. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. She pretty much healed my heart. It's hard to grow up into a woman and become a mum without a mum. So if any girls out there that are going through the same, you can be strong too. Just know that your mum's always going to be there, you know, watching over you. I, you know, have a lot of photos of her now and I can show Alia and, you know. I learnt how to become a strong woman from them two ladies and I just think to myself, you know, do what they did, be strong like them because they lost their mum too, you know, and some family, sisters and whatever, and they still pulled through it and went through life as strong women.
1: Well, I think... You are an incredible woman and I think you're an incredible role model to everyone in Gove. All the little ones are so lucky to have you to look up to and inspire because it's incredible and you're amazing and I wish you nothing but the best of luck for everything. It's, Thank
2: you so much, darling. Yeah.
1: No, I, I think you're an absolute inspiration and I'm in total awe of you. So thank you for coming on and thank you for sharing your story.
2: Thank you so much. And you're welcome anytime. <laughs> I'll hold
1: you up to it. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the very first episode of Northeast Arnhem Land with Mon. I hope you liked it. I want this to be a weekly podcast, so if you enjoyed it, it'd be awesome if you hit subscribe. Any feedback also would be greatly appreciated. I'm still learning the ropes, so that would be just fantastic. A big shout out to GovFM for letting me use their studio, and thank you for hanging out. My name's Monica O'Hanlon, and that was Northeast Arnhem Land with Mon. See you next time.